0: Thank you so much for coming. Somebody's happy to see me. Hallelujah. (laughs) Well, I'm happy to see me. Praise God. Welcome to River of Life. We're so glad you could make it. Uh, We really do believe that your best days are ahead. It doesn't matter how you start. It's how you end that is important. Amen. The Bible always encourages us uh, concerning the future. It says that though your beginnings were small, your latter days will increase greatly. Amen. We believe with all our hearts that God wants the very best for you. Uh, Jesus said that the thief comes but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He says, but I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Amen? Doesn't mean that it's going to be a bed of roses. Amen. Jesus also promised that we'll go through trials. But it says, be of good cheer, be of good courage. I have overcome the world. So we believe that you're an overcomer in Christ. Amen. But thank you for coming. I, I have a, 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 mess, a, a series that I'm going to start today that I believe will bless you. Um, it's going to open your hearts, hopefully, or open your mind to certain things. And I want you to, for this series in particular, to, to go back each Sunday and to check things out for yourself. Amen. I want us to be like the Berean Christians. The Bible speaks of... Uh, The Christians from Berea in the book of Acts chapter 17 are being of more noble character than some of the Christians from Thessalonica. And the reason was because they went, after Paul spoke, they went back and checked the scriptures for themselves. And I want us to, even though I'm saying this for myself, I want you to make it a habit to to really keep on checking things out for yourself. That is what is going to save you you uh, safeguard you from deception. And my title, the the title of the mini-series is on deception. There's deception in the church. And it's really called Beware of Deception. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for your presence here today. We acknowledge you. we, We honor you. We bless you. Your word is true. Where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of them. And Father, in Jesus' name, we just ask for the unction of the Spirit to continue to flow, to increase in our midst. In Jesus' name, I ask for a special unction, Lord God, to declare truth with clarity, with boldness. In the name of Jesus Christ, cause every heart that hears that the sound of my voice to be open to your word. And uh, to be inclined towards truth today in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Holy Spirit that you're already at work in our hearts and in our lives. We honor you, we bless you, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Beware of deception. I know it's not a sexy topic. And I say sexy, I mean it's not one of those topics that you sort of gravitate towards. I don't know how many people will Google deception. You know, usually you Google healing, or you Google abundant life, or prosperity, or or marriage, you know, Um, but... Deception is not one of those things you gravitate towards or want to find out about. But do you know that Jesus warned us several times about deception? And the Bible warns us so often about deception. That is why I'm, I'm actually entitled to this mini-series, Beware of Deception, because there's always a warning when the Bible talks of deception. So we're going to get into this, and I, I think it's going to be a short series, but every time I've said it's going to be short, it turns out to be long. Amen. So as the Holy Spirit uh, leads us. But let's just read from the book of Matthew, chapter 24. These are the words of Jesus. Um, This particular discourse was when Jesus um, was asked the questions by the disciples on when the end would be, what would be the signs of the coming of the end of the age, and when he would be coming again. So let's read from the book of Matthew, chapter 24, and I'm going to read from verse number 3, Matthew 24, 3. And this is what it says. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and saying, tell us. When will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Now, there were two questions that they were asking Jesus. Two questions. So the questions were, what are the signs of your coming and of the end of the age? And then verse 4 says, and Jesus answered and said to them, take heed or be careful or be alerts or beware. Just take heed that no one deceives you. Verse 5, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. And all these things are beginnings of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up. And deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound or sin will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. And I want to just sort of jump up a little bit and then go to the next Verse 23, where it says, Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive. If possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Amen. Now, this is really a grim picture that is painted by Jesus about what's going to be happening towards the end of the age. But we can't be choosy as to what we want to look at and what we don't want to look at. Or what we want to preach and what we don't want to preach. Or what we've got to listen to. We've got to have the full counsel of God. Amen. So it's important to see what Jesus said. Every single thing that Jesus said is critical for each one of us as believers. And, And so Jesus paints a pretty grim picture about the end times, about the end of the age, and, and, and things, signs that are going to be present in the world before he comes back. You know, he paints a picture of conflicts on the earth, that there'll be wars, there'll be, there'll be conflicts, you know, and when there are wars, there's usually deaths, and when there are deaths, there's usually sadness. He talks about nation rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom. This is all a picture that is painted about what's going to be happening towards the close of the age. And towards the time when he's coming back. It talks about disasters happening. It says there will be pestilence. There will be famines. There will be plagues. How many of you know that's not a good picture? But it's a true picture. He was saying some of these things are signs for us. He goes on and he speaks specifically about his beloved and and followers of Christ. He says, you're going to be arrested. You're going to be persecuted. Some of you are going to be killed. In other words, a lot of folks in the world are not going to like you. Right? Because if they liked you, they're not going to persecute you. If they like you, they're not going to arrest you or kill you. So he's saying that, you know what, towards the end of the age, it's not going to be the in thing to be a believer. That's what Jesus is saying to us here. And he's saying that there's going to be offense. People are going to be offended. He says there's going to be hatred. The love of many will grow cold. Jesus continues and says there's sin is going to be rampant and and there's going to be lawlessness. And and he, he paints this picture of a lot of chaos and things aren't happening the way we would like them to happen. Jesus prophesied that there will be many leaders, spiritual leaders that will arise that will be false prophets, false prophets and false teachers and and false Christ, people who say, I am the Christ, I am the anointed one. And he says, these are all going to rise up and they have one goal to deceive. And he says, there's actually going to be signs and, and wonders. Why? To deceive. But in all this, four times Jesus talks about deception. I miss this picture that is painted about what's happening in these last days. He paints a picture. Matthew 24, 4 says, Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. He's talking about deception. It says, For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. He's saying that the message that comes forth in the last days is supposed to deceive many. Mark, Matthew 24:11 says, "Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many." Talking about deception. Matthew 24:24, 24, 24, false Christ and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elects, those who have been chosen. So, Jesus warns us about deception. He warns us that there's going to be a lot of leaders that are going to arise, a lot of spiritual leaders, and they will have a message. And that message will actually deceive a lot of people. He didn't say a few, he said many. He didn't say a few, he said many. So when he talks of false prophets and false Christs and, and in fact when you go to the epistles he talks of false teachers, you're, you realize that there's a message, there's a teaching, there's doctrine that comes forth that is meant to deceive, that will deceive. He actually says that some of these false prophets and false Christs will have great signs and wonders. And the aim of that is to deceive. Deceive. That's why it's really, really important that you just don't follow after signs and wonders. Now, I believe signs and wonders should be in the church and follow those of us who believe. But don't follow after signs and wonders just because you want a sign and a wonder and a miracle. Because sometimes it can bring deception. God is very concerned about deception. Holy Spirit warns us about deception. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 says, The Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Now it comes through teachers, false teachers and false prophets. But the origin is demons, deceptive spirits. So, the Holy Spirit is warning us as Christians. He says that, you know what, some people are actually going to turn away from the true faith. That is a sobering thought. But the Holy Spirit is saying, look, be careful about deception because some people are going to turn away from the faith. So, He's warning us beware, be alert, be on your guard, be on the watch. Because there's deceptive spirits that are released in the last days, if possible, to deceive even the elect. It's a powerful warning about deception. Now, why is deception dangerous? Now, there's so many reasons why it's dangerous. I've just got a few here. The first reason why deception is dangerous is because it can ultimately turn you away from your faith. Deception can cause you to lose your faith completely. That's why that scripture in 1 Timothy 4 is is a warning to us, that some have turned from the faith. Amen? So it's dangerous because it can turn you from a place of faith to unbelief. It can turn you from a place where you love God to a place where you you become cold in the things of God. It can turn you from a place where there's faith to fear. Are you with me? Where there's from faith to unbelief. So it is dangerous because it can attack your faith in God. Your faith in the word. Your faith in Jesus. That's why it's dangerous. Deception is also dangerous because it is usually packaged nice. Now, I love steak. If you're a vegetarian, praise God. I love steak and potatoes and some sprouts out there, you know. I I just love it. It, it. Right now, I'm even, I better focus on the word. But if you sprinkle some cyanide, You know, in that, it may be a look, look like a really nice plate of steak and potatoes, but you may not see the poison in there. But that's the thing about deception. It's packaged nice. It's not obvious. When Paul talks about deception, he says that it usually comes with eloquence. It comes with oratory, persuasive speaking. It comes with, with, um, it can be persuasive writing. Amen. You know, it, 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 can, it can flatter you. It has ideas that flatter you. In fact, deception usually makes you feel good. That's why it's dangerous. Notice what he says in Romans 16, 18. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly. And he says this. And by smooth words and flattering speech, they deceive. By smooth words... So man, a lot of the teachers and the false prophets, they have the words. They know how to articulate, how to communicate. And he and, and says, with flattering words, they make you feel good. But then they said, but they deceive. They deceive. They deceive. That's why it's dangerous. It's, it's presented in a nice way. It's packaged nicely. Third reason deception is dangerous is because it's subtle. And it goes undetected. It's like a stealth missile. You know, the stealth missiles, when they are released, they can't, they do, sometimes they, you can't see them on a the radar. But then they're still coming, you know. They're still coming before you realize, boom, it's destructive. That's why it's dangerous. Notice what Peter and Jude say. 2 Peter 2, 1 says, there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you. And then he says, who will secretly, notice that word, secretly bring in destructive heresies. Notice that it's secretly. It's subtle. Jude says in Jude 3a, for certain people have crept in unnoticed, just as if they were sneaking in by a side door. In other words, they don't come in obviously. It's like they're coming in a side door and then they'll just sneak in and begin to teach stuff. And if you are not alert, you can easily be deceived. That's why there's warning about deception. That is why people yield to deception. That is why many people are deceived. Because it's packaged nice. It's subtle. It makes you feel good. It reassures you when maybe you don't need the reassurance. But that's how it's packaged. So what is deception? What is deception? What does it mean to deceive? The dictionary definition is good for me. It says it's, it's the act of causing someone to accept as true or valid what is false or invalid. So it's causing someone to accept as true or valid what is actually false or invalid. To deceive means to cause someone to believe something. That is not true. To accept it as true. And usually it's to gain advantage over the person. So the reason is really to gain some sort of advantage. That's why you, 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 you let somebody believe something that is not true. But that's what deception really is all about. So God warns us that, you know what? There are attempts that are going to be made. There are going to be deceptive spirits that are hovering on the earth today in the last days, especially as the end draws near. That will have, there'll be teaching, there'll be things like that, that will take us away from truth. From truth. He's warning us. He's saying, beware of deception. Turn to somebody and say, beware of deception. God is saying, beware of deception. Beware that people will start introducing things that are invalid, that are false. that are against the word of God. Beware, be on your guard. Watch out, be alert. So Bible talks of different kinds of deception. I'm just going to mention five. First of all, there's self-deception. The Bible talks of self-deception. Then there's another kind of deception, the deception of sin. There's the deception of wealth or riches. Deception of doctrine and teaching that I'll be focusing on as we go along. And the deceptive, deceptive signs and wonders. In fact, the Bible talks of lying signs and wonders. Let me just give you a few scriptures here about self-deception. First Corinthians three eighteen, Paul says, "Let no one deceive himself." In other words, it's possible to deceive yourself. Just don't let don't deceive yourself. I like what the New New Living Living Translation says. It says, stop deceiving yourselves. If you think you are wise by this world's standards, you need to become a fool to be truly wise. In other words, sometimes the wisdom of the world can give you a certain sense that everything is okay, and in fact, in the eyes of God, you are deceiving yourself. So don't rely just on the wisdom of the world. There's wisdom in the scriptures. Amen. Amen. That is what every believer should rely on and look to. There's the word of God, which is truth. The culture and the wisdom of the world is not truth. So it's warning us. It says, don't deceive yourself. Book of James 1, says this. But be doers of the world and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. Can you put that up, please? From James chapter 1, verse 22 it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. The point here is a lot of Christians hear the word. They hear the teaching. They hear what God is saying, and they do absolutely nothing about it. And James, and then the, and then James is saying, when you do that, you're deceiving yourself. You're deceiving yourself because you're not a doer of the word. You hear the word. Oh, you say, Amen. You shout out, preach on. And you go home and you do absolutely nothing about it. God says forgive as I have forgiven. Hallelujah. And you go home, why should I forgive this person who has been so offensive? You're deceiving yourself. You're deceiving yourself. 1 <laughs> John chapter 1 verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The point I'm making is that there's self-deception. And John is saying, you know, some people think that they have no sin. Everything I do is fine. So you're deceiving yourself. There's, deceit, there's deceitfulness of sin. Hebrews 3 13 says, Exhort one another, encourage one another while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. There's some, sin, can, sin can be deceptive. There are some sins that are pleasurable, like sex outside of marriage. And it can deceive you into thinking, What's wrong with that? I love this person. Is deception. If it's not within the context of marriage, is deception. The Amplified Version puts it this way: the deceitfulness, or I don't think I have that. Says the deceitfulness of sin, it's cleverness, delusive glamour, and sophistication. There are some sins that are really, really they look good and it seems good. But it's not good. The Bible says we can be hardened to the point where we consider certain things that God grieves about. And we think that it's okay. That's deception. The deceitfulness of wealth is another form of deception. Jesus spoke about that in the parable of the sower where he said in Mark chapter 4 verse 19. He said, the deceitfulness of riches... 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness. Their greed has caused them to stray because they love money so much. Now, money is not the root of all evil. It's the love of money. But that has caused some people to actually stray from the faith. The deception of money. Where we begin to trust in riches more than trust in God. Matthew 6.24, Jesus puts it this way. No one. Can you say no one? That means no human being alive. Amen. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. You cannot serve God and money. It's impossible. But you see, money can lure your loyalty, your love. Your service, it can, and a lot of people don't realize is the deception of wealth, of money, or mammon. God actually, Jesus actually says that it's, he puts it. You know, he says there's God and then there's money, and he says you can't. And notice what he says: masters, you can't serve two masters. In other words, God wants to be your master, right? But money also wants to be your master. hallelujah there's deceptive doctrine and that, this is one i'm going to spend some time on as we go along but let's just look at the scripture here first timothy four one says now the spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith giving heed to, to deceiving spirits and doctrines of, of demons i want you to notice what it says here "Giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of help me out demons deceiving spirits and doctrines of deeds, as they're speaking lies that he goes on and says in hypocrisy having their own consciences seared with a hot eye then notice what the deception is forbidding to marry commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth for every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Now notice the two things it's talking about here just as examples. There's so many other examples. But first of all, forbidding marriage. There's some Christian religious denominations that forbid ministers from getting married. And the Bible is saying here that it's a, it's a doctrine of demons. I'm not saying it. The Bible is saying it. It's a doctrine of demons. Forbidding marriage. And then there are other religious denominations that say, you can't touch that bacon. Am I lying? Don't touch that ham or that bacon. Because in the Old Testament, this or that or this or that. The Bible is saying that anything that is received with thanksgiving and prayer is sanctified. But it says it's a doctrine of a demon. Telling you the truth. But you see how deception can weave itself even into the church. I remember I went, (laughs) there was uh, somebody who came to preach here once and he came with an entourage and myself and Pastor Bob. And, you know, we took them out to Greek gardens. And I ordered my, um, what was it? Uh, it was uh, rice with potatoes and Slovakia. And it was a pork, you know. And, and others og- uh, ordered chicken and, and whatever, lamb. And the, one of the guys in the entourage, this was one of the pastors. This was one of the, his entourage. You know, he ordered vegetables. And bless God, it was a, he was vegetarian. He was vegan, you know. And then I, I didn't say anything about that, you know, to each his own. Amen. You know, and so we start eating and then he says to me, why did you order the pork? Meanwhile, we were blessing him with that lunch. And so I said, why not? He said, well, I mean, pork, this is not helpful for you. I did not know first Timothy four at that time. I would have taken out my Bible and said, Hey, it's a doctrine of a demon. Because I had given thanks for it. It had been sanctified. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But he was confronting me. In fact, I lost my appetite. But I ate everything. Amen. But the Bible is giving us some examples. It's yes, forbidding in marriage. And forbidding to eat certain foods. But it says there are doctrines of demons if you don't want to eat bacon praise the lord but if somebody wants to eat bacon praise the lord it's not your stomach amen and those who love bacon said amen